Hello, everyone. Welcome. We're so glad you're joining us today. We are excited for this opportunity to worship together with you, for our friends near in the Harrisburg region and all over the world. Uh, my prayer always as we come into these services is that really it's a blessing, it's a help forever you are, and we're just really, really blessed for this opportunity to grow together. This morning, I'll be continuing our current series, which is following the commands of Christ. Being September, I've had back to school or back to basics in my head, and as we look at this series, we're just looking at some of the basics that God wants us to know about our faith. We're defining basics as the foundation, and that foundation is simply that God is our source. Source is our origin, where we come from, but source is also where we go to learn or obtain information. So when we think about learning from our source, we think about learning what we need to know that Jesus is asking of us, and then what we need to do. So it's not just about knowing the commands, but actually following the commands of Christ. Speaking of follow, that's our command today. Looking specifically at Matthew 4, 19, when Jesus says, come, follow me, I will send you out to fish people. Uh, before I dive in here, let's just pray. Our Father, our God, we thank you so much for the blessing of Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for the blessing of the Holy Spirit that guides us. Thank you so much for the blessing of God, our Father, our shelter, our refuge, our strength, and who is home. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for this story about your earliest disciples and how they chose to follow you. Father, in like manner, let our lives be lives completely given to you, surrendered to you, lived fully um, in love with you and in love of our world and doing your kingdom work. In your holy and precious name, amen. So what's interesting about this story about Jesus's um, first disciples is my first memory of this story comes in Sunday school. You know, we used to sing the song, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men, if you follow me. I was going to sing it, but I'm just not feeling it right now, you know, um, and I don't want to scare you all. Um, but that song was my first memory of how people decided to follow Jesus, you know, and the, the basically when you read Matthew and Mark, it's kind of like in vain of the song. It's brief and is straightforward. The story basically goes, you know, Jesus shows up. He says, hey guys, I'm Jesus. Andrew and Peter, James and John, they're all out fishing. And Jesus, uh, if you look at the brief version, it's just basically like, hey, y'all, follow me. And, and, and immediately, Andrew, Peter, James, John, they leave everything, forsake everything, um, leave everything on the boat and just jump in and follow Jesus. And, and I think the, the, the thing that's really fascinating to me is this story of the earliest disciples occurs in all of the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all cover it. Again, Matthew and Mark just give you the brief, straightforward one, right? John gives us a little bit more background, a, a deeper dive, if you will. We're talking about fishermen, so I, I say it's a deeper dive, right? In John, we found out that, that Peter was actually still known by the name of Simon, and that Andrew was his brother. We also learned that James and John were not only partners of, of Simon and, and Andrew, but they were also brothers as well. So you have two sets of brothers, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James and John, and they were partners in this fishing business and industry. Now, we don't hear too much about Andrew in scripture, so I've always grown up thinking with this idea that Andrew was quiet, he was laid back, he's kind of a behind the scenes type of person. But what I loved about Andrew is that he believed first. You see, Andrew is actually a follower of John the Baptist who had come to prepare the way for Jesus, the way of the Messiah, and Andrew was a dutiful follower of John the Baptist. Now, if Andrew's quiet, laid back behind the scenes and believed first, 
Peter's kind of the polar opposite. Whereas Andrew's quiet, I always picture Peter as loud and, and fiery. Whereas uh, Andrew believed first, I always picked up Peter as a, a skeptical or at least needing proof. And then you have John the Baptist. John the Baptist has, has now b baptized Jesus. He's preparing the way for Jesus. And after he baptizes Jesus or during the baptism, he says, behold the Lamb of God. And the day after John baptizes Jesus, he sees Jesus again. He goes, hey, there is the Lamb of God. In fact, telling his own disciples, one of which was Andrew, that my work is kind of done. Like, that's the guy we were waiting for. The Messiah has come. I need you to go and follow him. So Andrew is one of the two disciples who hears John point the way to Jesus, point out Jesus, and they say, you know what? If he's the Messiah, if he's the Savior, if he's the Lord, we will now follow Jesus. And, and that's what they do. And I think our first lesson of what it means to follow Jesus is that, right? They spend time with Jesus. They get to know Jesus. They, they, they intentionally set out to spend time with Jesus. After Andrew spends this time with Jesus, he goes to his brother Peter. And again, even though Andrew is laid back and quiet and behind the scenes, when he discovers that Jesus is the Messiah, the first thing he does is, who do I love? Who do I know? My brother Peter, you have to meet this Messiah. I wish I had the same thinking when I'm so excited about Jesus that I think about the people who don't know Jesus and my first reaction is, how do I bring them to Jesus? And that's Andrew's reaction. And what I love is that when Peter meets Jesus, when Peter comes into this thing, Peter is not yet believing. Peter is not yet a disciple. Peter does not yet know for sure who Jesus is. Yet in that interaction in John's gospel, Jesus is the one who actually believes in Peter first. Jesus is the one who welcomes Peter. Jesus even gifts him a new name, says you will no longer be called Simon. Simon, you will now be called Peter, on whom I'll build my church. And what we see in that interaction between Jesus and Peter is that if we're willing to give God a chance like Peter was, even if we walk in skeptical, Jesus already believes in us. And what we also learn about that interaction is following Jesus is a relationship, and Jesus actually invites Peter into relationship with him. And when Jesus invites him into relationship with him, he gives him a new name, a new place, and a new destiny. So John gives us the background, but I think where it all comes together is in Luke chapter 5. So Luke's version is where we're going to focus the rest of our time this morning. Luke 5 verses 1 to 11. So take what you, you know about Matthew and Mark. Jesus says, hey, follow me. They follow him. Take the background about how Andrew and, and Peter were brothers and James and John were brothers and they were partners in fishing and, and Andrew was a first follower of John the Baptist and he brings Peter to Jesus and Jesus accepts Peter. All of this has occurred when we get to Luke 5. Luke 5, verses 1 to 11 is what I'll be reading now, starting at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, um, some people think that's just the Sea of Galilee. One day when Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. 
When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've harked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and, and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Luke's telling of this story is where it all comes together. Luke begins by saying Jesus wasn't just wandering. Jesus is actually preaching and the people are crowding him by the sea. As Jesus is almost being hemmed in by the people and, and almost pushed into the sea, he sees two old or two new friends in, in, in Andrew and, and Simon. And he sees their boat and they're washing out their nets from a, a night of fishing and not catching anything. So Jesus says, all right, well, guys, I'm going to climb onto your boat and finish this sermon. So he gets into to Peter's boat and I love this about Jesus because he's so focused on on telling the message of God that I can picture Jesus so preaching as he hops onto the boat and I can picture Simon and, and, and Andrew saying like what is wrong with this guy like finish your sermon like we are good but they welcome him in and Jesus finishes the sermon from the boat after he preaches the message he looks at Simon he says hey Simon Peter <laughs> let's go fishing What's interesting about that request is that Peter was a professional fisherman. What's even more fascinating to me about that request is that Peter didn't have an app on his, uh, his new iPhone like I do. If I want to know the weather, I pull out my phone, I hit the button, and I get the guesstimation of what the weather people say might happen, right? But fishermen back then not only knew the clouds, they knew the sea, they knew the atmosphere. They knew so much about what was coming, but they also knew where they fished. And they had been out all night, working all night, and, and, and nothing. They caught nothing. But what I love is when Jesus says, Simon, let's go fishing. You see Simon already bowing down to the lordship of Jesus because first thing he says is master. He calls him master, acknowledges that Jesus, you are the one. Jesus, you are the one I bow to. But he says, master, we've worked all night. And kind of layered in that statement is the fact that, Master, you may be a carpenter, but I'm a fisher. You may be a preacher, but I know these seas. You may be hungry, but I'm going to go home and try to find leftovers because we've been out here fishing all night and caught nothing. But in the heart of this passage, I think Peter does a gift for all of us because he defines lordship of Christ. And how he defines it is after Jesus asks him, says, you know, put out into the deep water, let us let down the nets for a catch. After Simon acknowledged Jesus as master, after he, he lodges his complaint, you know, we've worked all night, we didn't catch anything. He says this, and what I've learned, and I think Pastor Linda's preached on this before, and she's repeated it a couple times, and it's always stuck with me, but she's defined, she says, man, Peter defines lordship this way. Because you say so, 
I will let down the nets. You see, for Peter, it's not about simply what I think. It's not about what I know. It's not about what I want. Lordship of Christ is us saying to Jesus, because you say so, I will do. As we look at the commands of Jesus Christ, I want us to hold on to that because that's how I want us to define lordship, the same way Peter does. Because you say so, I will. Last week, Jesus called us to repent, to turn from sin and to live for God and to to keep our eyes focused on God. Because you say so, I will do. This week, Jesus is saying, follow me. Follow me. Give it all up and follow me. And we need to define lordship of Jesus as because you say so, I will do. So Peter does it and and he throws the nets overboard. And what do you know? The fishermen get their big catch. In fact, it was so big that the nets began to break and and you can see them yelling out to their partners, to to, to James and John to come over and, and they're pulling the nets and pulling the nets. And when they finally bring in the catch, it's so big that it fills not just their boat, but also James and John's boat. And not so much, they filled them so much that the boats began to sink. In fact, they were amazed at how much fish they caught. And after that big catch, it's then they get the big invitation from Jesus because Simon Peter and Andrew, James and John, they're so astonished at what Jesus has just done. They're so humbled by who Jesus is. They're finally aware and they're awakened to the fact that, oh my goodness, he is indeed the Messiah. He is indeed the Savior. He is indeed our Lord. That they bow down to him and they're so amazed at this. And I love Jesus I can see him saying this with a giant smile on his face. I can see Jesus almost saying, oh my goodness, <laughs> we just got a little bit of fish. You think that's important? Man, from now on, I will make you fishers of people. And that's how the story goes. And I think from Luke's telling of the story, when we ask, what does it mean to follow God? I think from Luke's telling of the story, we get the first, we have to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Simon, even before he fully believed, even when he first interacted with Jesus, when Jesus comes onto his boat and makes a request of him, Simon's first answer was, Master. So the question to us this morning becomes, Is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus my Lord? Simon called Jesus master and submitted to him. Do you call Jesus Lord? Are you willing to submit to Jesus as master? We have to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and then submit before Jesus Christ. The disciples at the sight of all the fish fall down to their knees. They fall down to their knees and they humbly bow before Jesus. So the question to us becomes, yes, we need to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, call him our master, submit before Jesus Christ. The disciples fell down to their knees. So the question for us becomes, where? in our lives do we need to get back down on our knees? What are the things that we need to submit fully to God? How do we submit ourselves? How does our lives show a life of submission and surrender to Jesus Christ? Acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Submit before Jesus and then accept Jesus fully. When we say Jesus is Lord, 
We are saying Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who loves us and the one we love. But Jesus is the most important person in our lives. The disciples and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, they forsook everything to follow Jesus. Now, most of us in choosing to follow Jesus are not going to have to make that kind of sacrifice, at least maybe not physically, but spiritually. God wants us to put his son at the center of it all. What does it mean for you to put Jesus number one in your life? What does it mean to submit all aspects of your life to Jesus Christ? What does it mean for you to say, God, on this, because you say so, I will do. Trusting you, God, because you say so, I will trust Knowing you, God, because you say so, I will work to know you. Believing in God, because you say so, I will believe in you. And even those things that are hard to give up, we can give them lovingly to God and trust that he is our Lord. Why? Because Jesus' plans for all of us are always going to be bigger and better than our plans for ourselves. Peter thought his whole life was to be a fisherman, and yet Jesus looked at him in the eye, didn't just change his name to Peter, but gave him a new future, a new destiny, and the little fisherman became one of the earliest rocks on which Jesus built his church. And as we wrap up this morning, I was thinking about how following God looks very different for all of us. I was thinking about how following God, even for us individually, it looks different in every season. What it looked like for me to follow God at 17 is very different than 27, is very different than 37. So not only do all of us have different seasons of, of following God, we have different places that we come in or different parts of our lives that we have to surrender to God fully in. Maybe it's our health. Maybe it's our future. Maybe it's, it's this job that we want to we're seeking after our career. Maybe it's our family. Maybe it's ourselves. Maybe it's the things that just keep, keep uh, ensnaring us, the sins that just keep pulling us away from God. Whatever it is we need to surrender, following God looks different from all of us. You know, I usually try to have maybe one thing in each sermon that like, this is the one thing I want to take home. But in acknowledging that all of us in trying to follow God are coming from different places, I want to give you six things today. And not because I think all of us need all of it, but because I think all of us need all of it at some season in our lives. But wherever you are with God today, my prayer is that one of these can resonate with your spirit as you think about what it means for you to follow God. The first lesson we learned from these disciples, the first disciples, is that following God looks like spending time with Jesus. I want you this week to do an honest reflection. I want you this week to set up, or maybe even today after you listen to the sermon or you go home, or I want you to do an honest reflection of how much time are you spending with Jesus? What does that look like? Maybe it's five, ten minutes a day. Maybe it's an hour, two hours a day. Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's once every couple of weeks. 
If you're going to follow Jesus, you got to be like Andrew. You got to go out of your way and make it make an intentional pledge to spend time with Jesus. What is following God look to you? Maybe in this season, it just looks like setting apart time to be with Jesus, to hear from Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to grow in Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to do today to follow God more fully. Or maybe... You're still a little bit skeptical. Maybe not about your faith in general, but some aspect of your life. Maybe you're a little bit skeptical about your future. A little bit skeptical about this job prospects. A little bit skeptical about the relationships or the, the family around you. Maybe it's your health, finances. Maybe you're just a little bit skeptical. But I'm reminded about a line from this song. You know, there's a, there's a band called the Get Up Kids I used to listen to years ago because one of my roommates. And they had this song, I think the name of the song was Hannah Hold On. And I'm not, I think it was about a breakup and all that stuff. But the one line in the song that's always resonated with me was this simple line where the, the lead singer basically belts it out. And he has this line where he says, you only disappoint the ones who don't believe. And I've always held on to that. Because when I first heard that, I didn't think about Hannah and what she's holding on to. I thought about God and how he holds on to me. I thought about this idea that, you know, a lot of us, we are afraid to come to God because we know we fall short or we know we're not good enough or we think that I got to clean myself up before I come back to God. But what that song taught me and reminded me is that God believes in me. It's not about God being disappointed in me. It's God believing in me. And if you remember, God believed in Peter before Peter believed in God. And I think that's the same message for all of us this morning. Bring God your skepticism. Bring God your questions. Bring God your doubt. Because here's the thing. There's no question you can ask that God hasn't answered before. There's no doubt you can feel that God hasn't answered before. There's no skepticism that you're going to present before God and he's going to be stumped. It doesn't exist. And the way you know that for sure is that Peter was very, very skeptical, but Jesus still invited him into relationship, welcomed him into his family, and gave him a new name and a destiny. You cannot disappoint God. You cannot doubt yourself out of God. You can bring your questions to God, for he always, even now, is believing in you, even before you believe in him yourself. Or maybe for some of us, with all that's happening in our world, with all that's happening in our families, all that's happening in ourselves, maybe following God at this time is simply just saying, Jesus, can you be my home? Can you be my refuge? Can you be my shelter? Can you be my strength? Jesus, can you be where I go to let my hair down, if you will? Where I go to rest? Where I go to, to, to lay down in the hands of my good shepherd? Jesus, you've blessed me with this body of Christ. You've blessed me with this church. Can this be a people that I finally feel at home at? Can this be a people who I can call family, who I know love you and love me? For some of us following Jesus might simply be finding home in Jesus and finding home within this body that he's given you, this body of Christ, this family of believers. But for some of us, maybe it's a dramatic shift that we need when it comes to following Jesus. Jesus. 
And maybe that dramatic shift is accepting that Jesus has new plans and new destinies for you. When I used to do youth ministry, I used to always try to tell the kids, always remember that God's plans for you are bigger than you can ever imagine or dream of. That God's hopes for you are bigger than you could ever imagine or dream of. You know, that famous verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 says it like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. And when I think about Jesus' plans being so much bigger than we can imagine, I think about Peter thinking his whole life was to be a fisherman, and Jesus saying, no, 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 you will fish for people. I think about Peter denying Jesus three times, and Jesus after the resurrection meeting with him on that beach and eating breakfast and restoring Peter to say, no, 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 Peter, I still love you, I'm still here for you, I still have a future for you. And I think about Peter preaching probably the most influential sermon that's ever been preached on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 Christians or what became Christians from all over the world heard and, and believed and accepted Jesus as Messiah and took the gospel into the known world. I think about how Peter, the fisherman who fished for people, who preached that sermon, becomes one of the early rocks on which Jesus built his church. So maybe for you in this season, following God is simply accepting that God's plans for you are bigger and better than you can imagine and to just trust God. You know, for the last couple of months, I've been saying that my whole life can be summed up with God saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me now? Do you trust me in this? And so for some of us, when we think about following God, maybe that's the question for us today. Do you trust God? Do you trust God now? Do you trust God in this? Whatever this is, do you trust God in this? And the last one. So maybe it's spending time with Jesus that you need to do. Maybe it's, it's saying, God, I'm skeptical, but, but you believe in me. So help me to believe or help my unbelief. Maybe it's finding home in Jesus in the body of Christ. Maybe it's accepting God's plans for you and his destiny is bigger. Maybe it's simply trusting God or trusting God in this. But I think for all of us in every season, we have to know and live and learn. We have to let Jesus be Lord. And we go back to Luke chapter 6. And we go back to that famous or hopefully famous saying that Peter did, right? Because you say so, I will do. To me, that's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that, yes, what I think matters. Yes, what I know matters. But in all things, I'm going to surrender to Jesus Christ. Because you say so, I will do. In one sentence, in that phrase, Peter reminds us that calling Jesus Lord, following Jesus is about trusting God and obeying God. It's a call to keep Jesus first and always first. And it's a call to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Sisters and brothers, Jesus is asking us today to follow him. To follow him. We may be out in this world fishing for many things, but what Jesus calls us to do is to trust him, is to acknowledge him as Lord, is to submit to him daily, is to accept him fully, and to know that he is good. And if we follow Jesus, oh, the places we will go.
all the people we will meet and love and introduce to the love of Christ. Oh, the knowledge we'll have and hold on to that will carry us through every single day that our God is good, that our God is faithful, that our God is true, that our God loves us. Amen. God bless you. In the next moments, we'll be sharing in communion together. Celebrating the new life that we have in Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to partake of the bread and the cup. Please take this time to prepare the bread and the cup at home. We'll give you prompts so we can partake together. The table of the Lord is for all who believe, for all who have received Christ Jesus as Lord. We now invite you to come to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify, not that you're perfect, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciple. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on heaven's rewards, but because in your frailty, you stand in constant need of heaven's mercy and help. Now that the supper of the Lord is spread before you, lift up your minds and hearts above all selfish fears and cares. Let this bread and this cup be to you the witness of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And now we'll do the liturgy. I'll say the first part, and Pastor Bree will repeat the, the congregational part. My sisters and brothers, this bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? This bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat this bread, remembering he was born to be our savior. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Feed on him in your heart and be thankful. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you so much for this bread, which represents your body. Lord Jesus, you freely, willingly, and lovingly gave your body for us. Help us to eat up this bread, to not only dream of heaven, but to work for your body today, the church, and to work for all those you love, the world. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, which in the Jewish Passover feast is called the cup of blessing. And he told his disciples, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now I will read the liturgy and Pastor Hank will do the congregational's response. My brothers and sisters, this cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? This cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take this cup, remembering that he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it together and be thankful. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the redemption. We thank you so much, Father, for the work of the cross. We ask that you bless us as we go forward in the redemption that it brings. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
So in these four Gospels, we get the story about how Jesus called the first disciples. We get the story about how it wasn't just Jesus saying, follow me and I'll, I'll make you fishers of people. How it was about them acknowledging who he is, submitting to him, trusting him fully, and then knowing that his destiny and plans for them were so much greater. That is the same promise that we get to Jesus. When Jesus says, follow me, it's a request, but it's also an invitation to enter into relationship with him. It's an invitation to, to walk into a new destiny. It is an invitation to enter into God's family. It's an invitation to trust God and to trust God more fully. Follow me, says Jesus. And my prayer for all of us is that we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, you, yes, Lord, you, I will follow. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, we thank you so much for the blessing of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for Jesus being our Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, our guide, guide us back to Jesus. Father, the one who loves us, who works for our good, guide us back to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your example. We thank you for your call. And we pray that our lives are lives filled with following you. Lord, following you changes our destiny. Following you gives us more hope. Following you makes your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help us to be followers of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.